Hi, and welcome everyone to the 130th episode of CM Rocks. Today I have Foyen Olayidebello from Avanade to talk to me about power platform security and governance. Foyin is a passionate, self-driven solution architect who has an insightable desire to make a difference for the better. She lives with the quote, I need to leave it better than I met it, and has translated this into every area of her life. Welcome, Foyin. Thank you so much, Marcus, and thank you for having me on the show. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, I'm just fine, thank you. As a solution architect, what is it that you do? So um, my day-to-day life involves helping our clients to with strategy, starting from there. So they have this big vision, they have their objectives, what they're trying to achieve as a firm. So I help them to build a roadmap around that especially around digital transformation, helping to make their processes more effective. And then once that roadmap has been built, we can take it in chunks into different phases. And then after that, we start to um, talk about, okay, how do we meet this particular phase together as a team? And then I help them to figure out the best solutions to meet their requirements and also how long that would take, what the what the needs are from their end as well. Nice. So how you did you get started in Power Platform? In Power Platform, I basically started my journey as a modern workplace engineer. So started out with portals and SharePoints and intranets and then Info platform, SharePoint designer workflows, Nitex, K2, basically all of that. And then the power platform came on. Then I realized, oh, there's no info part anymore. What's going on? What does Microsoft have (laughs) coming up their sleeves? And then I discovered that, oh, it's the power apps. And I started to the power apps and power automates for all of my requests, the requests coming from the business users. And that's how I have um, been in the power platform since then. Never look back. <laughs> you and Claire Edgerson had a session on the European Power Platform Conference about security and governance. What were some of the key topics for you that you spoke about? So my session with Claire was focused on two things, governance and security. So we tried to touch on some specific areas around governance, um, the do's and don'ts, what are some of the tools available from Microsoft there? And then we also looked at um, the security piece now from a platform level as an administrator. What are some of the things I should be thinking about and also considering? So I like do's and don'ts. So let's start with those. What do's and don'ts do you have for governance then? Do's and don'ts are almost endless. <laughs> but I'll just pick out a few that are very key. So the first thing is when... You want to start out with Power Platform. One of the important things you need to think about is your environment strategy, right? You shouldn't just start out with everything in default. So there needs to be careful thinking around how do we want to create our environment strategy, what should be built where, and the reasoning around it. So that's very, very important. Another important point is our DLP. Data loss prevention policy is very important. And I'll talk a bit more around that when we get to the um, security aspect of our, our session. So 
the management of the platform who's going to be in charge, there is this um, sometimes battle between the operations team and the development team when you're trying to decide who owns this platform. Sometimes the ops team feel like, oh, this is not ours. It belongs to the developers because the developers are always in the environment all the time. And then developers feel like this is an operations thing. We shouldn't be doing this. We're just cut out to build applications yeah. and that's all. So that part of it is something that needs to be agreed on very early. It may sound very simple, you know, but as the platform starts to grow, there is a need for someone to actually own own it. And then there has to be an agreement around who does what. So because I have the right to... For example, create an environment as a power platform developer. Should I be the one doing it? Right. Yeah. So having the right does not necessarily mean I should be the one doing it. So those type of things are part of what needs to be agreed uh, as a part of the um, security and the platform management piece. So one other thing is user management. It's very important to always have your like your security groups um, rather than adding users individually so you mean adding them to different environments now then yeah, uh, yeah yes yes access to the environments access to your applications uh, managing your licenses as much as we can which is always important to use security groups to manage access to basically as everything as much as you can because it's easier to maintain going forward and it's easier to also control. Someone leaves the organization, you can quickly run PowerShell scripts to take the person out of all of the X number of groups, you know. So it's just tidy. So that's also um, very important. And as well as monitoring. So we'll talk about monitoring in a bit. So I won't, I won't look into that. Have you ever walked into a customer where it's the, just the default environment and they have like a hundred applications <laughs> in that environment? <laughs> yes, yes, we have seen situations like that. They have access to power apps and why not? Let's try it out. And then you're like, what's going on here? <laughs> why is everything in default? Uh, perhaps that's a different uh, different episode than let let so let's keep that for now then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so that's the admin center for power platform then. Having an environment strategy uh, and thinking about okay, how do we move things between environment where stuff's developed and where it's used. All right. So then you have the CUE toolkit. The, or starter kit. Do you use that? Yes. The starter kit is a very great tool that was created by the PowerCat team. Yeah, I think it was PowerCat team. Yes, yes. Yeah, it is. It's really useful. It has um, very deep insights into a lot of things in the environment that have proved to be very helpful for the administrators. So what part of that toolkit? Because it's growing pretty big these days. So what is the first thing that you look at from that COE starter kit? Yeah, so there are a lot of things in the toolkit. Like you can see your apps, your runs, and your, your apps, your flows by sessions and runs. You can also see like the most used ones. You can see unique users. You can see page sites in terms of your power pages. You can see your total sessions. 
um, and then you can start to see things like your AI builder models, your business process flows, even your desktop flows as well. Um, there's a lot of insights available in the um, COE toolkit for for us. So you can see usage across the platform. So it's it's yeah. a really good um, toolkit and it's completely free. So it's something that everyone should have um, within their environments. Do you look for abandoned things or orphaned things as well? Yes, yes. It's also a good place to find um, orphaned apps or orphaned flows or flows, apps that have been created and no one yeah. is using them. So that's a good place to also find them and um, start to make decisions around them. Well, abandon things that no one uses. That's fine. That's that's easy. Delete them. <laughs> but things that people use and there's no owner for them, that's, that's more, well, we kind of need to do something here. Otherwise, it will soon break and we have no one to, to talk to. I agree. What do you think about managed environments? The managed environment is relatively new from Microsoft. Yeah. Just to say one of the conditions of flicking your environment to manage, like it's kind of a button you turn on, is that everyone like must have the license, must be a licensed user. So only licensed users can access managed environments. So if you're in an environment where you use Dataverse 100%, then you're completely covered because it means that all of your users are licensed. But if your environment, in your environment, use a lot of, say, SharePoint lists, then you may need to be um, careful about that. Or if you use a mix of SharePoint lists and Dataverse, it means probably some of your users are licensed and some of them are not licensed, right? So that's just one thing to note. So with the managed environment, it gives you like more control you can limit sharing. So for like those of us that are very familiar with Canvas applications, when you want to share an app, you can actually share with everyone, you know, across the organization. So with the managed environments, you can set, um, you can put up the setting on that environment to say, I don't want um, anyone sharing this, um, any app in this environment with maybe more than 50 people or 25 people or, you know, or uh, not at all. So you can turn it on, you can limit it, or you can keep it completely off. So that's one of the benefits of the managed environment. And then the other thing is a solution checker. Solution checker is really good because you can set it to warm where you ensure that no solution that has errors can be imported into your application. So you have the none, the warm, or block. So you can completely yeah. block it and say, if they, if this solution coming in has any errors, then don't allow allow it into my environment. Or you can keep it at warm where you get the warnings, but the solution is still imported successfully. Now, caution on this is if you have like an existing environment already with solutions and you're just coming to set that environment to a managed environment, you need to be careful of your setting here because you may have solutions already existing in that environment with errors. So if you flick it to blocked, you're going to break everything there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you may want to keep it warm. It. Yeah. 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 All right. So do you use this kind of blocking? Has Have you used this? 
feature? I use it at the moment, but my setting is warm. Yeah. No okay. Block. So you have the to to warn people if you import something with an error. I want to know about it. Yes. Yes. All right. Can you still import your own managed solutions? So, um, I mean, we have a team of developers and they haven't run the solution checker and they just imported straight over. Will the import then run the solution checker for us? Before it deploys in the man as in the managed environment? Yeah. Is that how it works? No? It doesn't run the checker. It just just tells you the warnings. Okay. It gives you the warnings. If it hasn't been run, then it will tell you, okay, you have a warning here because the solution checker hasn't been run. Yes. All right. Okay. Um, Because I have turned on managed environment, but uh, don't really use this enforcement or even the warning. Um, I still have things to learn about managed solutions. So, uh, I know, yeah. we're all learning. <laughs> yeah, we're all learning about it. Yeah, and then you get the insights too as well. So you can get like your weekly email that comes to you just to let you know what your app usage is like, your flow usage. Um, and then basically we all who your active users are. So that comes in as well if you turn on the um, weekly email digest option. Well, I'm more of a, I want to go to a dashboard and look at it. So I don't really fancy those weekly email letters because if I have like five production environments, then I get five emails and that's not... I think that's a feedback that has gone to Microsoft about possibility of sending something summarized across all the environments rather than having so many emails based on the number of managed environments that you have. Yeah, I look at the COE toolkit then because a dashboard there is a lot more helpful to me because sometimes when someone has an issue, I go rather go to dashboard and see well, when was somebody using it last time? And then it worked, right? Because someone managed to use it. Yeah. Yeah. True. So, yeah. Um, because most of the things that I do when it comes to uh, admin is more, okay, there's a fire because someone is screaming. Uh, so we're trying to solve it. Do you think more proactively here or... Are you more in this reactive state when when you're talking about governance? So in governance, we encourage um, proactiveness, and that's why we talk about all of the like there are so many tools that we can use now um, in terms of monitoring our environment. Like we said, you get the weekly digest about your environment, and then we also have the tenant-wide analytics available to us now from the um, admin center once you toggle it on. Um, so you start to see all of the analytics around your apps, your flows, um, and then you kind of know ahead of time if there is an error 
like within the even as simple as the admin center you can see your capacity usage so if you are running out of space you can see it yeah. and you can see what exactly is taking that space is it your log files do you need to delete your log you need to change the setting of the retention on your audit logs to something that is um, less than what you have set it to so Proactiveness is important, and I think it, it goes back to the platform management around who owns the platform, right? Because if I own the platform, it's kind of mine, my own, my home. So <laughs> it's the yeah. same way we take care of our home and be proactive about a couple of a lot of things rather than being reactive about it. So in that same way, once you have, once the platform has an owner, then you know, okay, I need to come in every morning, take a look at this, take a look at the dashboard, take a look at the apps and flows, just make sure that everything is fine. Kind of like regular daily checks on the platform. So the proactive, the proactive approach is highly um, recommended. When you come in to a customer and try to fit governance with or talk governance with them do they have many power users that are makers that are from the business side or do they have more consultant developers who come from that point of it to do things at your customer's site it's kind of like a mix and it will vary based on the customer, right? Because all of the customers are at different maturity levels in the use of the power platform. So for those who are very early in maturity, they would they still want to like own it, the platform. They're not very big on system development because they're just like trying it out, starting to understand the platform, starting to build their guardrails. So they definitely don't want to flood it out to the entire org just yet so you have those type of customers and you have some customers who have started their journey earlier and are kind of um risk takers they kind of quickly understand and they're like okay not such a big deal let's let's get into this development right away let's everybody start building the applications let's get moving so it's kind of it would depend on the clients sometimes the industry sector as well as you know like financial services are very careful um, around no, they're not high risk takers, yeah, so okay. yeah, they like to um, take things very slow. So yeah, so there will always be a, a mix, a mix of various um, scenarios based on the customer. So, so how would you say? Is it like fifty-fifty, where there's like half people from the IT, or it's more like okay, it's half the company, half the companies you meet are all IT developers and half of the companies you meet are like all business makers? I would say so far, maybe like 70, 30, 70 being more IT developers. Okay. And then 30% more business, more business and IT. Would you say that that part is growing the makers from the business side yeah in those in those orgs yes in those organizations yes there is a a great growth um in that area so okay. the organizations that have gotten to the point where their business have become makers have just seen like the value and want to continue their journey along those lines very quickly yeah mm. i've met a couple of them where they're 
employing people who know dynamics or power platform and then they employ them as developer or functional people in IT and then they have their own development shop trying to help business develop applications for them. So I've seen that a couple of times, but I haven't seen very many or or very yeah, seen very many that well they're makers out in the business helping themselves. So uh, that that's nice to hear that there are it's possible to to succeed in that area as well. Yes. So if we look back to governance then and, and, and monitoring, there's some we've just brushed through a couple of tools here and there's a couple of them still. So how do you talk to customers when to use what? Yes. Um there's kind of we have a couple of tools, like we said, there's the COE, you have your Power Platform Admin Center, there's also the new tenant wide analytics. And then you have your weekly reports that you get from the managed environment. And there are also a few things that you can see from the Maker portal. Uh, so deciding where to find what is kind of a bit, <laughs> not a very simple answer to it. Or, um, so That's where you come in, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So during my, my, um, my session with Claire, one of the things that we did ahead was we created these simple tables that will kind of show you where to find what. And to be truthful, a couple of things can be found across um, three or four of those tools. For example, if you want to view your apps and your flows by sessions and runs, you can find that in your Power Platform Admin Center. You can find that in the COE Toolkit. You can find that in Internet Wide Analytics as well. So okay. there, there are a couple of um, overlays like that. And I'll say it's kind of more of what is convenience, like what you like to win. <laughs> yeah, the environment that you would like to be in and spend most of your time in. But I'll say overall, the COE toolkit still gives a lot of value, like value, a lot of insights. This I would say overall, the COE toolkit gives you a lot of insights across a lot of things. And the Power Platform Admin Center isn't very bad because a lot of um, insights have also been introduced to the admin center as well. So between those two, you should be largely largely fine. So if we move to security then, what do you think about when you think about security related to Power Platform? So in terms of security, securing your platform, what comes to mind for me is like your tenant isolation, your DLP policies, customer logbox, and the usage of your your security groups, that's when you start to talk about access on the application as well. And then maybe your your data gateways. So when you're if you're pointing to your data on premise, that's also something to bear in mind as well. So what do you mean when you say tenant isolation in Power Platform? So, um, tenant isolation uh, can be used to block tenants from establishing connections into your tenants. So, can be used to block external tenants. So, you mean guest users cannot come into the Power Platform or 
do we think more about other users from other tenants entirely? Yeah, so this is more of when you talk about um, using your connections. So, for example, like we have the inbound and the outbound, right? So it's possible if tenant isolation is not on, it's possible for me to create a flow and send documents from tenant X into tenant Y, right? Like I can move from my OneDrive even into my personal, from my official OneDrive into my personal OneDrive or from my OneDrive on tenant X into my OneDrive on tenant Y. So that's where tenant isolation comes in. And it's really, really important because it's off by default. Right, I know yeah. people don't know this, so that's something that is that is key. Um, have you come to situations where you have more enterprise-like customers where they actually have more than one tenant? Really, but what we see is possible, like maybe some sort of partnership between the tenants, because then you can create rules to allow from setting tenant IDs. So you can allow connections from setting tenant IDs. Because sometimes a company A buys company B and they have a tenant and company A have a tenant and now they want to collaborate and and cooperate towards some goal. And then Mm. you have tenant isolation on and you're like, oh no. Yeah, yeah. Most times in when we have mergers and acquisitions, we'll probably have um, a project to bring it all together into one tenant eventually. But while they are on the journey there, this can be um, specific rules can be created for specific tenant IDs to allow inbound and outbound or outbound or inbound based on the requirements. And then we can also have up to 50 rules um, showing to us at the same time in the grid. Hmm. Nice. And DLP, that is data loss protection. No, data loss policy, right? Data loss prevention. Prevention. (laughs) DLP policies. (laughs) All right. So what's that then? Yeah, that's um, where you, you, we have like three three buckets, I like to call them buckets, <laughs> of for your connectors. So you have the business, the non-business, and then the blocked connector. So basically the principle is everything in a bucket can communicate with each other except the blocked. So if you have connectors in the business, those connectors can communicate with each other. If you have connectors in the non-business, they can communicate with each other, but anything in blocked is absolutely blocked out. Yeah, so here is comes back to strategy. It comes back to your environment strategy, your security strategy to decide what connectors do we allow yeah. and what do we block out. And then you may have some particular departments that need to use certain connectors. So within the DOP policies, you can set multiple, you can create multiple policies. And certain policies can be targeted at certain environments to create those exceptions on that environment. Um, yeah, so say 
in the marketing department, they need to use Twitter because that's part of their job for the organization. So automatically send out uh, messages at particular times. And, but that's blocked on, that's blocked for everybody else. So So if you create the DLP and new connectors come out, because that happened like every other week, where did they come in? Do they They come into none? Yeah. Non-business, yes. Okay. And have you come to customers where everything is in the blocked realm? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I actually move everything. Every move, like... It's kind of using the zero trust policy, least privilege policies is the same thing that I would usually apply here. So everything that is not needed, I move to blocked. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some connectors that cannot be blocked, like the Microsoft connectors themselves, like things like um, approvals, uh, Office 365 connector, Outlook connector. So if you decide not that you don't want to use them, you have to keep them in the non-business. Like, you can't get them blocked. So, uh, yeah. So we just block everything that is blockable. <laughs> There's a word yeah. like that. And then start to unblock based on the need. So that's yeah. usually... So when someone screams, well, I use that. <laughs> no, well, this should have been done from the beginning before somebody started to use it. Because I know a lot of business users like that I chat with in the community, they're like, Somebody just blocked my connector. The admin just blocked my connector. My flow is failing. I was I spent so long <laughs> trying to figure out what was wrong, and I discovered that my a new DL policy has been um, created, and my connector has been blocked. So no, that's not that's not. We don't want to make enemies with the business users. So well, uh, well, we don't want to do that, but that happens, right? <laughs> it does. It, it does. does happen, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's just important if we know that okay, this is a platform that's been running for a while, then it's important to ensure that adequate communication, you know, has been passed around um, before we just put something in the blocked connector. Yeah. So are we trying when we talk about security here? Are we more trying to protect ourselves from mistakes that we make? Or are we trying more like there's someone from the outside trying to get in and do us harm? I think it's both. Okay. I think it's both, yeah. I think it's both. Yes, the outside, definitely. And also the inside as well. Like business users, like they don't mean harm, but they may just want to do certain things and they may not necessarily know that I shouldn't be doing this, you know. So we're also trying to protect ourselves from such situations as well. They use Dropbox privately, and they think that's a great solution. So they want to solve a problem, (laughs) and they know about Dropbox, so they hence start with Dropbox. Exactly. I mean, that happens. A lot, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to work. I don't want to work. Continue my work from home, and I'm not interested in taking my office PC to the house. So I might as well put my documents on Dropbox and just continue. It's a very valid reason, but you know we don't want them doing that. So. <laughs> so, so have you done things with conditional access and 
other more external block external users from trying to get to our systems then yeah so we use azure conditional access for like it depends on the organization's policy so there are some orgs that would say we don't want users accessing the platform like power apps from non non um office pcs yeah or we only want them accessing from within the network. So in such situations, um, or we only want them accessing from systems that are compliant. So within all of this type of, or we only want them accessing from this particular region. Anyone that has moved outside this region shouldn't be allowed to come into Power Apps. So those kind of scenarios are where the um, Azure Conditional Access policies come in to help us um, take it one step yeah. higher. So if you're noticing a dude from Sweden accessing <laughs> your system, you may want to block him, right? Yes. Yeah, all right. So I think we've covered everything. Is there something important here, Fayin, that I missed? No, I think we've um, we've covered a lot around governance, monitoring, security, and there's always more, but you know these are just some of the the highlights. I think um, things you, you can start thinking about as you start on your journey with the Power Platform. All right. So where do I go if I want to know more? Yes, first things first. Follow me on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah, follow me on LinkedIn. And Claire is also amazing with governance. Uh, so Claire is also um, very good. And we also have um, Emma D, Emma, Emma Tracy, Emma D, oh God, Emma D, Dracy. Yes, I Not think I got Darcy, that right. But Darcy. perhaps it's the, the RC. I think so, because she has a D and then an apostrophe on her name. Oh. And, but she's really, really, um, she also really talks a lot about governance. And yeah. yes, your Microsoft Learn Evergreen, always feel full of quality content, is also a good place to go. Do you have any specific place on Microsoft Learn that we want to add here? Yes, there is a location that talks about security and governance. So that's um, that's a really good place to start. And I noticed here that she's M. Darcy now. So, uh, ah. yeah. Okay, that's great. I will add, we will make sure to add the links to uh, security and governance if you have some. Otherwise, we will just point them to general to, to go to learn. Oh, yes, I would make the link available to them. All right. So if we want to know, we want to listen more from you, where can we see you next? We have an exciting conference coming up. Uh, Textilers Conference. Textilers is a community that supports women in technology, and we have all um, levels of women, starters, students, um, people who are trying to come into emerging tech, who have been doing old tech, and also women who are very well experienced and happy to give their time to mentor and support other women. We are an inclusive community, so everyone is welcome. We're just like a female-focused community, but everyone is welcome to join us. So we have our conference coming up on the 21st of October. Um, it's called Textilers Evolve, and it will be really, really nice. So that's where you're going to find me next as um, the keynote speaker. 
for that conference. Wow, so, wow. Yeah. keynote speaker. That's something. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> yeah, good work. Thank All you. Right. Who would you recommend as a future guest on this podcast? Ah, I would recommend my good friend. She is, um, she does Office. She's Microsoft 365 BL, <laughs> Office and Apps MVP. But she's really like, um, she's she's really amazing. She should be your next guest on, on the podcast. And her name is? Olajimoke. All right, then. Send me the links and <laughs> I will be sure to add her. Yes, yes. And I'll give her a heads up that she will be getting, yeah. getting a note from you soon. So thank you for your participation, Foyin Olajide Bello. Thank you so much for having me. It was really nice to talk about an area of the power platform that I'm really passionate about. So thank you so much. And uh, we'll look forward to our next, uh, your next session. Yeah. And thanks to you listening. And don't forget that you can find us on most of the podcast players out there. See you next time. Om CM Rocks.